All right, good morning, everyone. We are so glad you're here. We're continuing our series called Back to School. How many of you love school? How many of you are glad you're out of school? All right. So we have a diversity here today. Great. Well, we're going to continue the series, and really the, the, the motivation behind this is that I think there's a lot of similarities between our school and, and how we do church, and, and there's areas where we connect and, and we do very similar things. And so it's a point of reference that I think we all can grasp and have familiarity with. And so last week we talked about worship, and that's like a pep rally, and we got to use our gifts and abilities, and we all got to come together and work together. So uh, on Sunday, we can worship together, and you can be here, and we can be energized, and we can sing, and we can do all these great things together, and, and really worship God together. And so we need you to use your gifts so we can do this, and we can share this, and, and we can be part of this every single Sunday. And today, we're going to talk about the cafeteria. How many of you enjoyed the cafeteria at your school? Not the food, but the social aspect, right? So unintentionally, I believe, unintentionally, school, I don't think school really, you know, puts a lot of effort and energy into the curriculum of cafeteria because there's no real curriculum. You just let the kids sit together, they eat their food. But I do think it's interesting. I've been a teacher, I've been in schools, I went to school, um, and I think it's even true now for those who have, you know, if you have a work break for lunch, are we not our most transparent self than at the cafeteria? at the table talking about what energizes us. There's no agenda. There is no outline we have to follow. We talk about what we want to talk about. We sit with who we want to sit with. We engage with uh, the things we want to engage with. So at, at those moments in the cafeteria, we're probably the most like who we really are than any other part of the day. And I can say from experience, there are people, some of us, that love that time of day. They love engaging in those those times of, of getting to know each other and seeing your friends. And then there's those of us in this room that hated that experience, and there was no joy found in it. But the connection point for me is, is that that is really where you build your friendships, right? That's where you grow close to people. Um, you go out to dinner with people. You have lunch together. As a child, you're in the cafeteria. This is... Still on? Hi. No? Yes? You get to know them because you can hear them. <laughs> but you know, this morning, if you grew up in the church, this might be a comfortable environment for you. What we just did, singing together in a group, might be something you're used to. You grew up with it. You have a comfort level with that. Um, if you grew up in church, maybe Sunday school is something you're very comfortable with because you know what it is. You know what to expect. It's something that has a, fami a familiar feel to it. And maybe you grew up in church and it's not unique to have someone get up in front and share something from the Bible. And maybe growing up, the Bible isn't intimidating to you because you've grown up hearing about it and learning about it. But you know, there's a lot of people that are going to want to check out. Maybe you're one of them this morning. You're just here. You didn't grow up in the church. You don't have this background. And it isn't very comfortable to come into this room. And it's not comfortable to come to this building. And it's not comfortable to stand up and sing with other people. And it's not comfortable to have someone pass a plate around where people put money into it. These things are not comfortable for you. And it can be very daunting for someone, and I can understand that. And the church as a mission is not just for people who grew up in it and are comfortable with it, but as a mission, it's for every person. And it should be welcoming to every single person. And so my question this morning for you and for us, and for myself too, 
do you feel like you belong here? Do you feel like you belong here? I think it's a very important question. And it's a question only you can answer. So as we dive into this question, my prayer is that we all hear from God, that he speaks directly to our hearts, and he reveals his truth. So let's pray. We see this time. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for these friends, these brothers and sisters that we've gathered here to listen to you, to sing to you, to give to you. Lord, we pray that your will would be done here um, in this place as it is in heaven. Lord, we ask that as we look at this, this topic of friendship and and being social and engaging and, and, and having fun together, Lord, we ask you um, to give us what we need to know and help us to understand what you want us to understand. Lord, I pray that we would have grace and that we would we'd have mercy the way you have grace and mercy. And Lord, as we navigate this conversation, that you would lead it. And as we look at the book of Acts, that as Luke recorded this information for us to read and to understand, that we would see that it is from you and it is for us and that it applies to this very moment. And Lord, I pray that all of this we would recognize as in preparation of your return, the ultimate reality of which we will live one day um, in true harmony and friendship, that sin will not distort our relationships anymore, but that we will live in perfect friendship with one another. Lord, I pray that you would bless these moments as we talk about these things. We pray that you'd speak directly to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in Luke, or Acts, sorry, Acts chapter 9. Luke is the author of Acts. It'll be on the screen. Um, if you don't have a Bible and you like one, we can get you one. Uh, we believe that it's very valuable and uh, can be extremely beneficial for you as you study it every day and grow in it. Uh, but we'll be looking at Acts chapter 9. Just to give you a quick backdrop, Luke, who is probably the, the physician of Paul, he is well-educated. He is well-established. He was commissioned to write this. And so when he's writing this, he's giving us information we need to hear, and, he, and he's very um, intentional about the things he shares with us so that we can learn and grow in our faith. And so um, he begins to tell us uh, the story, this situation that actually happened about a guy named Saul who has a conversion experience. Many of you heard this before where he meets Jesus, and he's radically transformed, and so much that he goes by his, his, uh, his non-Hebrew name, his, his Roman name, Paul, and now he's completely living a, a different life. Um, he's completely the opposite of, of what he was before. And now he, uh, he has to go to the people that he had been persecuting. So he has been imprisoning men and women, grandmothers and grandfathers, children, if they believed in Jesus, if they believed in the way. And now he is headed to Jerusalem, which is kind of the epicenter of the faith. And this is where a lot of the churches begin. It's the focal point. It's where Christians were gathering so they could be sent. So now Paul is making his way to Jerusalem. And here's where uh, Luke writes in Acts 9 for us today, verse 26. He came to Jerusalem and he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really not believing he was really a disciple. And so Paul comes, and he's trying to get involved in this group, and they're like, nope, we, we're not having anything to do with you. You cannot sit at our table, right? You got to find another table to go sit at. You're not sitting at our table. 
You, we don't trust you. We don't believe you. We don't think you are what you say you are. You are an outsider to us. Have you ever felt like an outsider? Because that's what Paul was. He was an outsider. There's no way we're going to trust this guy. There's no way we're going to let him be part of our group. There's no way we're going to welcome him in. There is no way we're doing this. And this morning, maybe you feel like, because I can kind of relate to this, right? I mean, if someone was killing my friends and family in some other town and I knew about it, and then all of a sudden they want to come hang out with me, I would be guarded, right? Would you be a little guarded if, if someone showed up and they had imprisoned your grandmother? <laughs> so there's, I, I don't think that it's necessarily a negative thing. They were guarding what they held value. They, they, they were guarding and they were trying to protect their microphone. Is it working right now? I won't move, I promise. <laughs> so they're guarding it, and that's okay. And, and this morning, if you're here and you say, I want to protect the church, and I want to guard it from it being watered down, or I want to guard it from those getting in that want to distort it or hurt it, that's a good thing. We need that this morning. We need you. That's your heart. But the truth is, is that they were overly guarded, and they were, they were not letting in someone they should let in. And so... Here we see what, happy, what happens in verse 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, and the Lord had spoken to them, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Can I use this red mic? I'll just turn this off. This isn't distracting, is it? Test, test. All right, I'll use this mic. So Barnabas says, look, I know this guy, and I'm going to bring him in. And not only did Barnabas, Barnabas was smart. He didn't just try to bring him into the group. He went to the apostles, which were the, the t- top-tier leaders. He went to the decision makers. He went to the, you know, the ones who make the, the, the top decisions. And he says, look, I know this guy. I've seen what he's done. I know what he's about, and we can trust him. We need to welcome him in. Now, Barnabas had a reputation, too. Paul had a reputation of persecuting Christians. Barnabas had a reputation, too. His original name, born name, was not Barnabas. He was given that by the, apostle, by the apostles. Barnabas, the name of his, uh, his name means encouragement or son of, consol- of consolation. And so here's Barnabas. He is named because he is an encourager. And he cares and he sees the outsider. And this morning, maybe that's your heart. And as we read this and and you meditate this for yourself, you see yourself as this nurturing person that cares for the outsider. When I said, um, do you ever feel like an outsider? You had compassion for the people that are on the outside. And you don't want to see outsiders. You want everyone that comes to church to feel welcome. You want people to feel valued. And that was Barnabas. Barnabas said, you're misunderstanding Paul. You're not getting Paul right. And I'm going to make sure that they get this because you are a value. And I know that God is true in you. And I know what he's done is a value. And so Barnabas takes it upon himself to welcome Paul into the group. And he says, look, we got to let him sit at our table. He's got to be part of our group. And because he does this, look what happens. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Because Barnabas was, was so 
willing to connect. He was so willing to say, look, you have value. I know who you are. I'm going to take you in, and I'm going to use my reputation to bring you and allow you to be part of this group. This morning, do you have that heart for people? Is, is God speaking to your heart and saying, there are people you know that, that need to be part of this. They need to know hope. They need to know a future. They need to know value in life. They're struggling. They're making it day to day. There's so many things that are overwhelming them. And you have a heart for them. You have compassion for them. And you want to invite them into a place that welcomes them in and encourages them and points them to Jesus. Is that you this morning? Do you have the Barnabas mentality in your life? Does our church have a Barnabas mentality? Do we want to see those that are not here who have little or no hope in life find the hope in Christ? And so Barnabas connected. I'm a, I like to connect people. Barnabas knew the right people to talk to, and so he went and talked to the right people. Maybe this morning you have that gift as well. All of this is for us to work together. All of this is for us to use how God has already made us so that we can reach and grow his, his church and his mission. Another great example that Luke gives in Acts 16, verse 14, is this wonderful woman named Lydia. Here's what it says. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. Now you wonder, why did, why did Luke record that she was a dealer in purple cloth, right? It's an interesting thing to put. This might be a better help for us if, if we were to say she's the CEO of Apple, right? The equivalency for us is she's the CEO of Microsoft, okay? Because what she was dealing in was the most valuable uh, commodity of her time. She was in a port city, Thyatira. It was a wealthy city. And one of the most uh, expensive things you could purchase was, was purple linen, purple silk. And she was dealing with that. So she was an entrepreneur, or however she got there, she was well-established. She, she had some sort of... Um, impact in her community. She had influence. And so Luke is intentionally putting in there so we understand who this person is, that Lydia had established herself in a very powerful place, and she had authority, and she was a worshiper of God. And here's what he says happens. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And when she had the members of her household, and when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. And so the very first thing she does after she experiences this message of hope and transformation in Christ that Paul has shares with her, she goes home and she shares this with her family. They get baptized. And the first thing she does, the first thing she does is invite them into her home. What does it take to invite someone into your home? Right? That's vulnerability. That's saying, I'm inviting you to my table. I really care about you. I want to get to know you. I value you. I want to have this type of relationship with you. So much so that she, she understands this so powerful that one of the most meaningful parts of the gospel is that now we can have genuine friendships with one another, authentic, real friendships with one another. She says this, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, she prefaces with this idea that my faith in Christ is revealed. She said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. 
If you really believe that I have received Christ, if you really believe that this is who I am and that I truly trust this, I want you to show that by coming to my house because I understand how valuable community and relationship is. And I think sometimes we can miss that because the church becomes a building and the church becomes a place we go to. And it is not a mission of God for us to be in relationship with him through Christ and in relationship with others. That the mission we're on together is that we would have this intimate relationship to God and that we would have this intimate relationship with each other and that it would be real and authentic and powerful. And the first, Lydia, the first thing Lydia recognizes is this. She recognizes the importance of relationship of engaging with other people. You know, I've been in organizations, I've been in groups where they're not friends, where they're not nice to each other. (laughs) There's no power in that. The mission is more than just us gathering here on Sunday. It's authentic life transformation where we love God more and we love each other more and we invite other people into that relationship. It's interesting to me that the first church, that they, what they were known for in the community was their welcoming of every person into the body. That no matter who you were, they welcomed you in. That they were known, that was their identity within the Roman culture. The problem they had is that the church was welcoming everybody in. You didn't have to be born of a certain house, a certain place, a certain demographic. You were welcomed in. And and I thought it's interesting, too, if you read the New Testament, go home and read it. See how many times it talks about breaking bread together. Isn't that interesting? That one of the values they had in the church was to break bread together. Why? Because I feel like we're our most authentic selves when we're having a meal with someone. We're we're, we're authentic. We're tearing down some of those those fake things we put up. and, And sometimes we reveal more about ourselves in that moment of eating together and how sloppy we are. (laughs) But isn't it true? You, you know, when, I, when you sit with kids at the cafeteria, they are themselves at that moment. When you are hanging out with your friends at that dinner, that lunch, that is when you open up. That is when you connect. That is when you grow closer together. That the value of the church is not just these moments where we sing worship together or we listen to a message. But sometimes we grow the deepest when we're the most real with each other and we build real authentic relationships with each other. And we live life together and we break bread together. You know what Jesus was known for in his time? They said, the Pharisees, the religious people, the people in my position, they said, Jesus, he's just a drunk. He's a friend of sinners because he keeps hanging out with the tax collectors and the prostitutes. He keeps going to dinners with them. He keeps going to their places and doing their things where where he's with them. Do you recognize that Jesus hosted two parties? He hosted a party for the religious leaders and he hosted a party for the prostitutes and the tax collectors? That he organized a social gathering to get to know people and to share a message and to be authentic and to break bread and to open his heart so they could open their hearts so that they begin to know each other? I think it's probably one of the areas we miss most in church because we've turned it into a Sunday morning activity and not a lifestyle. We've turned it into something that disconnects instead of connects. 
And so my encouragement this morning, if, if you're sitting here and you're, you're a creative person and you're saying, man, I can think of a hundred different ways that I could gather people for social engagement, where we could get to know each other, where we could have meals together, where we could play games together, where we can become friends together. Or maybe you're a pioneering spirit and you say, I see the value of this in the future, that for the church to be healthy and for the mission to be expanded, we have to build relationships. We need friendships. We need to get to know each other. We need to have places where we can connect. Because the mission of the gospel is not about making bad people good. It's about a dead relationship we have with God that is brought to life in Christ. And it's a relationship that we were created for. And it is relationship that we are created for. And that's relationship between us as well. And so this morning, as we consider the cafeteria, as we consider our friends, the people that speak into our lives, as we consider who do we break bread with, when do we break bread, are we intentional about building these relationships? Every Wednesday night, we have something called the dinner table here. It is a place to be intentional about breaking bread and getting to know someone, being authentic. Because I believe that Scripture teaches belonging is a powerful thing. Belonging is a powerful thing. When you sense you belong, you are welcome. When you come in the cafeteria and your friends are sitting at your table and they turn and smile and say, come over here, that is a powerful thing to be welcomed, to be loved. It's also a powerful thing to be shunned. And so this morning, what are we going to do with this? What are we going to do with these examples of Barnabas and Lydia who, when they heard the message, when they lived out the message, they welcomed an outsider and they invited into their home so that they could build an authentic community in Christ, a relational community where we are friends, we are brothers, we are sisters, we pray for each other, we laugh with each other, we cry with each other, we encourage each other because we know that we're part of the body of Christ. What would it look like? What would it look like if everyone felt welcomed into that? What's at stake this morning? What's at stake? What's at stake is the marriage, the addiction, the loss, the hurt, the pain, that's what's at stake. What is God saying to you? There's two relationships that I think are vital in life. Your relationship to God through Christ and then your relationship with others in Christ. This morning, what is he saying to you about those two things? What is God saying? Let's pray. Father, you are good to us.
and you invite us to your banquet. You, you, the whole picture of heaven is this party that never ends, where there's no tears, there's no sadness, that we draw closer and closer to you and closer to each other and that we were truly created. We were honestly, deeply from the foundations of the beginning of all creation were created for relationship with you and relationship with each other. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as we navigate that. And Lord, as we prioritize our time and as we invest in different things, Lord, that we would see the value of us connecting together, of us being friends, of us enjoying life together and also going through the hard things in life together. Lord, I pray the enemy would have no place here, that he would have no words into this conversation. But the Lord, we would hear directly from you as a church, as individuals, as families, as fathers and mothers, sisters and brothers, students, employees, that we would know how to live this out tomorrow and the rest of the days. Lord, help us. We need your help. We need your guidance. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.